Hello and welcome to the Perceptive Photographer, where this week we're going to be doing a little recap of a couple of lessons learned on a recent workshop I was hosting in the Palouse, as well as something about a specific technique related to dealing with skies or areas of high contrast, I think is important in consideration for how you process and edit your photographs, particularly with some of the amazing tools we have available to us to help with that process. This is episode 432 of our little podcasting corner of the universe, and I am your host, Daniel Gregory. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you are having a wonderful week and getting to do some amazing creative things, inspirational things, and find ways to just really engage with the excitement of the summertime, or I guess wintertime if you're in the Southern Hemisphere. No matter what you're doing, again, I hope you're having a wonderful week. I recently had a workshop in the Palouse, and one of the questions I got asked when I got back is, how was the workshop? which is always sort of an interesting question and sort of a, a opportunity to sort of delve deeper into the experience of being out photographing. And for this particular workshop, I had wonderful, absolutely amazing people on the workshop. And really, when you have a workshop, whether you're hosting or attending, it really in many ways is driven by the people who you are experiencing the photographic process with. So in this case, I had a wonderful, amazing experience because I was around amazing people. And people then ask, well, what makes people amazing? And I think we know sort of what makes people in general amazing to be around and what makes people not so great to be around. But when it comes to the photographic workshop, I think a couple of things sort of really struck a chord this time because they came front and center several times in the workshop, one of which was adaptability. And, you know, one of the things that happens when you're on a workshop, particularly if you're on a landscape workshop where you're dealing with natural light, the environment, the weather, ever-changing conditions. You have to be flexible. You have to be flexible for what you think you're going to photograph. You have to be flexible on your expectations. You have to be flexible on what you sort of imagine the workshop being. Because when you get there, the weather could change. Over the course of that week, we had 95 degree, not a cloud in the sky weather. We had intense rain so heavy we couldn't even get out of the car. It ran the full gamut of that experience. And yet, Every day and every opportunity to get out of the car and photograph resulted in an amazing sort of embracing of what was available and looking at, wow, we have really amazing clouds or wow, we have a really simple composition. We have not a lot in the sky, basic foregrounds. And yes, it'd be great to have something different, but I'm going to photograph something that is of interest to me as I work through that process. And so that adaptability is a huge component. And I think that's something that many times as we're out photographing, what ultimately gets in our way is our expectation of what we think should be out there for us to photograph rather than accepting what is there to photograph. And that's a really, I think, important lesson for all of us to remember is that if we go in being highly flexible, highly adaptable, very malleable in what we think we're supposed to photograph, we can oftentimes find much more interesting things to photograph. At the same time, one of the other really lessons that sort of struck me this time was with the people on the workshop, no matter where we got out to photograph, and you know, these are somewhat traditional places in the landscape to photograph, big open spaces, maybe there's barns in the foreground or old abandoned farm equipment or farmhouses, or maybe it's a grain silo, things that people have seen and sort of had expectations for. But on this particular trip, the participants would get out and they would ultimately find the thing that interested them in that environment. And one of the things about my workshops that are like this is when somebody wants to stop the car, we stop the car. We might drive 10 feet and stop the car again, but it's about somebody recognizing a moment of 
inspiration or a moment of seeing something that they want to photograph. Inevitably, everybody will get out of the car and start to photograph. Some people photograph the same thing that the other person started to see. Other people you'll see start to wander up and down the road and you'll see them taking pictures of rocks and tire tread and little plants and little bugs and birds and all sorts of different things. And what's coming out of that is recognizing that in our environment, in the places we work and in the way we work, there are things that we connect with, things that resonate with us as photographers. And even though we're in a place where we are supposed to photograph something, part of the struggle I think a lot of us have is we don't necessarily recognize the thing that is of interest to us in that environment. We don't allow ourselves to be either present enough, aware enough, or situationally coherent enough to recognize that in this moment at this time, this is the thing that is interesting to me to photograph. It's not necessarily the obvious photograph. It's not necessarily the expected photograph, but it's something else that caught my eye. And in this particular workshop, the people who were attending did such an amazing job of that particular aspect, that particular skill of getting out of the car and saying, wow, you know, what would be really interesting here is if I went and photographed this while everybody else wants to photograph that. And in that, I think we ended up with some amazing photographs that were very unexpected. Just looking at the back of the camera sometimes, the difference in what was sort of I've seen before on a trip like this and what I was seeing this time was vastly different. And hopefully for the people who are participating, they also got that same experience. I think a couple other lessons that came up, which I think are really important is one was also being aware of trying new things, trying out things you haven't tried before. We stop sometimes to do some long exposure or multiple exposure or light painting or shooting astrophotography. Again, highly malleable. We had overcast conditions. We could barely see the stars. We couldn't effectively see the Milky Way the way we expected. But we adapted. We tried different things. We played different things. We worked with different camera settings. And that flexibility and that willingness to experiment and try something you haven't done before to learn new settings and what's capable on your camera and within your own creative practice, I think, is important. And again, this in some ways goes back to that malleability, that flexibility, but I think it's important to recognize that even in experimentation for things you wouldn't normally do, sometimes there's an amazing opportunity there. And I think the other piece of this process that was really sort of connecting with me in an interesting way as I observed this over the week was that willingness to work for the things that you find interesting, but it may not be at the moment of recognition. There may be a time or a moment when you realize you know, what I really am interested in is X and what I've been photographing is Y. And so I need to reset my position, reset my decision for that. That happened to me. We were out photographing in the middle of the day, the harshest of light, these old trucks. And all of a sudden the broken glass looked like ice to me. And in that moment, I was able to create a very fast micro project. Within 30 minutes, I got to create 10, 15 images that cohesively hold together as a body of work in recognizing that in that moment, I saw something that I had never seen before. And I've been to this place dozens of times and I've never had that moment of recognition of realizing that something is different. Something is outside the expectation I had when I set foot into that particular location. And so to walk away with a micro portfolio of what I think is interesting work to me was really an interesting opportunity to recognize that no matter how many times we visit someplace, sometimes if we allow ourselves to experience things with fresh eyes, experience things with a new way of being, we can find an interesting way of seeing. 
no matter what the lighting conditions are, no matter what the subject matter are. So I think there's some interesting opportunities there. So again, if you're thinking about attending a workshop or you have been on a workshop or you're going to be on a workshop soon, I think some of these lessons are really important to carry forward. And if you're not doing a workshop, I think some of these same concepts can be important in your shooting. Recognizing that so much of how we approach our photography is in the mindset we have going into it. And if we go in being flexible and adaptable and excited and willing to experiment and try new things and see new things, we oftentimes lead with photographs that are much more than what we potentially probably would have gotten in having a set of expectations. It's oftentimes why I don't go and look at a lot of other people's photographs of a place if I'm going to photograph something for the first time, because I want to be able to see that with fresh eyes. I don't want a set of expectations of this is what it should look like in that environment. And if I don't get that and I don't see that, I'll be disappointed. I mean, recognize that sometimes in some of these places we get a photograph, we're there for two days where somebody who lives out there and gets to see that environment for 365 days. Of course, they got the perfect light, the most beautiful clouds, the most beautiful sunrise, the most beautiful sunset. But what can you do when you don't get that? What do you achieve when you don't have those ideal conditions? And part of being adaptable is recognizing that in your brief time, you may not get that. Okay, the second thing I want to talk about in today's podcast is I mentioned something about technique. And one of the things that is coming up for me over and over again in my own sort of processing that I'm seeing, and I'm seeing it a lot in the images I've been critiquing lately for others, and that is when it comes to using skies and editing for skies. When we select a sky, there's oftentimes trees, there might be buildings, there might be something poking up into the sky. Rarely do we have a perfectly straight horizon line. And some of these tools we have available to us today do an amazing job of masking out the sky. And at the same time, they oftentimes will leave little bits of the sky out. They'll leave little artifacts out or they'll leave what basically looks like a chromatic aberration line or a sharpening line around some of the edges as they built the mask. And I think it's really important for us when we're editing and particularly when we're doing a critical edit of our work, that we make sure that those masks that we create around objects are as good as possible so that they don't become visual distractions when we look at the work. So many times if we look at it and we're like, wow, it looks like the sky was sort of pasted on top of something or it was weirdly cut out. We're again, pulled out of the experience of looking at the photograph. We're missing the opportunity to experience the photograph, again, distracted by technique or a failure of technique. And so one of the things that I think is important is also recognizing that when we process for something, let's say there's a tree sticking up out of the ground. That tree crosses the horizon line. That tree goes up into the sky. If we're, say, wanting to darken the sky, well, the top half of that tree, if parts of it get darkened, they probably aren't supposed to be darkened. They are supposed to have the light, the quality of light that is on there. So a half-darkened tree is going to look a little odd. We would expect the tree to be a little darker near the ground than up in the sky where more light is hitting it. And so one of the things as you're processing is to pay particular attention to as you're lightening and darkening certain elements of the photograph, are you inadvertently breaking the rules that your environment holds? And if you're doing sort of more naturalistic sort of editing and processing for images that have this background, this lighter background, this sky, and you inadvertently darken the edges of something or half of a tree or half of a building, and it doesn't look natural to the way the rest of the light is, that again can prove to be distracting. And it can be a difficult thing for us to process when we look at the photograph. And again, the most challenging part of processing is we do not want to be having a conversation about the processing or the inability to properly process a photograph. 
We want to look at the content of the photograph, the experience of the photograph, the narrative of the photograph, the story of the photograph, something else besides the technique of the photograph. And this particular spot, because it's so easy to go in and say sky selection and I'm done, but we still need to make sure we have a refinement there, that we're paying close attention. This is the fit and finish. This is the last 5% of the process. This is the thing that makes the photograph sort of become more than just the snapshot. It's the full editing, sequencing, narrative, portfolio level work we want to get to in those images. We want to make sure that we don't have one that sticks out like a sore thumb because we were inefficient in our processing of that photograph. And I'm sure some of these masking problems appear in some of these other self-selection, quick selection tools that we have, which again, absolutely amazing for what they do, but we've got to make sure that we are paying particular attention to those micro details, those small edges, those points of refinement that can make the photograph be better or worse based on the quality of that selection. Really making sure we need to do that. And the interesting thing about this is sometimes we get so obsessive with wanting to make sure that we have a perfect selection that we end up going the wrong way. The perfect selection actually looks worse than a softer selection. Sometimes you don't need a hard edge. If you ever go back or if you have never looked at a YouTube video of somebody who works in the analog darkroom, dodging and burning, lightening and darkening parts of a photograph were oftentimes done with their hand or little paper wands. They weren't precise masks that were cut out like we do in the digital world. They were a little bit more feathered, a little bit softer. And yes, sometimes they could get a harder edge on them. But that movement, the way we did that allowed for that to look, if done properly, like a much more natural dodge, burn, lighten, and darken of a particular part of the photograph. So even if we're doing portraiture or whatever, it's important to make sure that, again, that these refinement tools don't inadvertently cause you to create a bigger problem than you expected, even though you think you've used the tool properly. So just something to think about in your process and your technique. Thanks again for listening to a couple of lessons from the most recent workshop I had over in the Palouse. And thanks for the people on the workshop for actually being such amazing participants and teaching me a couple or reminding me of a couple of things and teaching me a couple of things about how we see and process and understand our images. I hope you have a wonderful week behind the camera. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast this week. Again, this was episode 432 of The Perceptive Photographer, and I will see you next week.